he sits on his desk and talks down to his staff from on high, especially as you have to come right up close because he's hard of hearing. Ah, oh, well, there's still a gleam of hope. Once I've got the money together to pay back what my parents owe him, it might take another five or six years. I'll definitely do it. I'll make a fresh start. Meanwhile, though, I'd better get up. My train leaves at five. And he looked across to the alarm clock that was ticking on the chest of drawers. God almighty, he thought. It was half past six, and the hands were moving steadily forwards. In fact, it was after half past. It was nearly a quarter to seven. Might the alarm not have rung? He could see from the bed that it had been set correctly to go off at four. It must have rung. Yes, but was it possible to sleep calmly through that furniture-shaking racket? Well, he hadn't exactly slept calmly, but that probably meant he'd slept all the more soundly. But what should he do now? The next train left at seven. To catch that would mean a frantic rush, and the samples had not yet been packed, and he wasn't exactly feeling especially fresh and mobile. And even if he did catch the train, he could expect a thundering tirade from his boss, because the office boy would have met the five o'clock train and reported his absence long ago. The boy was his boss's lackey, a spineless, mindless creature. What if he were to report sick? But that would be highly embarrassing and suspicious, for during his five years with the firm, Gregor had never once been sick. The boss would be bound to bring the health insurance doctor round, reproach his parents for having an idle son, and cut short all their protests by quoting the doctor's view that the world consisted exclusively of perfectly healthy but work-shy people. And anyway, would he have been so wholly wrong in this instance? Apart from a certain drowsiness that was really quite superfluous after his long sleep, Gregor did feel well, and even had an unusually hearty appetite. While he was considering all this in the greatest haste, without being able to make up his mind to get out of bed, the alarm clock was just striking a quarter to seven, there was a cautious tap at the door near the top of his bed. Gregor, called a voice. It was his mother. It's a quarter to seven. Didn't you have a train to catch? That gentle voice. Gregor gave a start when he heard his own voice answer. It was unmistakably his own, but mingling with it, as if from below, was a painful, not-to-be-suppressed squeak that uttered the words clearly only for a second before distorting them to such an extent that you wondered whether you had heard them properly. It had been Gregor's intention to answer at length and explain everything, but in the circumstances he confined himself to saying, Yes, yes, thank you, Mother. I'm just getting up. Due to the wooden door, the change in Gregor's voice was presumably not noticeable from outside, for his mother, reassured by this explanation, went shuffling off. But this brief exchange had alerted the other members of the family to the fact that Gregor, contrary to expectation, was still at home, and already his father was knocking at one of the side doors, not hard, but with his fist. Gregor! Gregor! he called. What is it? And after a little while, he repeated the reprimand in a deeper voice. Gregor! Gregor! At the door on the other side, however, came the soft, plaintive voice of his sister. Gregor, aren't you well? Do you need anything? 
just coming, Gregor replied in both directions, and tried, through enunciating as clearly as possible, and leaving long pauses between the words, to make his voice sound as inconspicuous as possible. His father went back to his breakfast, but his sister whispered, Gregor, open up, please. But Gregor had no intention of opening the door, and congratulated himself instead on his prudent habit, adopted from his travels, of locking all the doors at night, even when he was at home. First of all, he wanted to get up in peace and quiet, dress, and above all, have breakfast, and only then think about what to do next, for he knew that he would not reach any sensible conclusion as long as he was lying in bed. He recalled having fairly often felt some slight pain in bed, possibly as a result of lying awkwardly, which had turned out to be purely illusory once he was up, and he was curious to see how this morning's imaginings would gradually dissolve. There was not the slightest doubt in his mind that the change in his voice was simply the first symptom of a streaming cold, that occupational affliction of travelling salesmen. Discarding the blanket was simple enough. He only needed to inflate himself a little, and it fell to the floor of its own accord. But after that, things became more difficult because of his extraordinary girth. He would have needed arms and hands to lift himself up, Instead, he only had his numerous legs that were in constant and multifarious motion and over which he had no control. Whenever he tried to bend one, it straightened itself out, and by the time he finally managed to make this leg do his bidding, all the others were flailing around as if liberated in a state of most acute and painful excitement. Better not waste time in bed, said Gregor to himself. He tried, at first, to get the lower part of his body out of bed, but this lower part, which he had incidentally not yet seen, and of which he could form no really clear picture, proved too cumbersome. Progress was so slow, and when at last, having become almost wild, he mastered all his strength and thrust himself recklessly forward, it turned out that he had chosen the wrong direction. He bumped violently against the bottom end of the bed, and the searing pain he felt informed him that it was precisely this lower part of his body that might, for the time being, be the most sensitive. So he tried to get the upper part of his body out of bed first, twisting his head round to the edge of the bed. That was easy enough, and despite its girth and great weight, his body slowly followed the movement of his head. But when at long last he'd got his head out over the side of the bed in mid-air, he became afraid of continuing in this manner, for if he were to fall like that, it would take a miracle for him not to sustain a head injury, and consciousness was the last thing he wanted to lose at the present time. He would rather stay in bed. But when, after a similar struggle, he lay back panting in his original position, and saw again his little legs locked in what seemed to be even fiercer combat than before, and found no way of restoring any calm or order to such chaos, he told himself once more that there was no way he could stay in bed, and that the wisest thing would be to risk all for even the faintest hope of freeing himself from his bed. At the same time, he did not forget to remind himself at intervals that the coolest of cool reflection was better by far than desperate decisions. At such moments, he focused his eyes as sharply as possible on the window, 
but unfortunately the sight of the morning mist, which veiled even the other side of the narrow street, had little good cheer or encouragement to offer. Seven o'clock already, he said to himself, as the alarm clock rang once more. Seven o'clock, and still such a thick mist. And for a short while he lay still, breathing quietly, hoping perhaps that such total silence might bring about a return to normal, everyday reality. But then, he said to himself, before it strikes 7.15, I must at all costs be right out of bed. Anyway, someone by then will have come from the office to inquire about me, as the office opens before seven. And he now set about rocking the whole length of his body evenly out of bed. If he let himself fall from the bed in this way, his head, which he intended to lift sharply as he fell, would presumably be unharmed. His back seemed to be hard. Hitting the carpet would probably cause it no damage. His greatest concern was the thought of the loud noise he would inevitably make, and which would probably cause, if not alarm, then at least concern behind the various doors. But such a risk had to be taken. When Gregor was already protruding halfway out of bed, the new method was not so much work as play, since he only needed to keep rocking in fits and starts, it occurred to him how simple everything would be if someone came to his aid. Two strong people, he had in mind his father and the maid, would be quite enough. They would only have to slide their arms under his arched back, slip him out of bed, bend their knees beneath the burden, and then simply exercise patience till he somersaulted onto the floor where the little leg...